read here a few verses. Uh, Acts chapter 25 and verse 23. And on the morrow, when Agrippa was come and Bernice with great pomp was entered into the place of hearing with the chief captains and principal men of the city at Festus's commandment, Paul was brought forth. And Festus said, uh, and Festus said, King Agrippa and all men which are here present with us, you see this man about whom all the multitude of the Jews have dealt with, with me, both at Jerusalem and also here, crying that he ought not to live in any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, I have determined to send him, of whom I have no certain thing to write unto my Lord. Wherefore, I have brought him forth before you, especially before thee, O King Agrippa, that after examination had I might have somewhat to write, for it seemeth to me unreasonable to send a prisoner and not withal to signify the crimes laid against him. And then just one verse in chapter 26. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for my, thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. Now we'll get to that story here in just, just a moment, but I just want to take a moment to remind you of uh, uh, the example that we have in the scripture concerning the church and the ministry of the church. The story of the early church is uh, a proclaiming of the gospel to everyone. doesn't matter if they are rich, poor, doesn't matter if they're powerful, if they're a commoner, doesn't matter if they're young or old, no matter their class in life, their status in life, they all deserve to hear the gospel. We need to have a biblical conviction that reminds us that everyone can be reached with the gospel. No exception. Anybody can be reached with the gospel. Praise God that the gospel is good news and this world needs to hear some good news. Amen. The good news is that Jesus made a way for everyone to be redeemed, everyone to be saved, and to uh, have an assurance of their eternal home in heaven. Amen. No greater news than that. Amen. That Jesus has made uh, the way. And he is the only way. The only way that men can gain eternal life in heaven with Jesus. It's only through Jesus. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why that uh, um, in the public arena you can talk about just about anything. Uh, in public uh, education, uh, uh, they can talk almost about anything except Jesus, except the gospel. And uh, uh, one of the things that sets the gospel apart is the fact that the gospel is uh, exclusive. That, and by that, I just mean that um, 
the gospel makes its claim that he, Jesus is the only way. There is no other way uh, to be saved except through Jesus. And for many, that's offensive. For many, that's hard for people uh, to, to hear, especially people who are devout in other religions or in other ways. Good people, moral people. It's very difficult to hear that if you don't know Jesus, if you're not born again of the Spirit, then you're lost, eternally lost. And that's a very, very hard thing for a lot of people to accept. But it is the gospel. It is the Word of God. And we need to be reminded of the importance of proclaiming uh, the message of the gospel. Actually, the book of Acts lays it out very clearly. From the very beginning of the book of Acts, when Jesus ascended into heaven and he told the disciples to go to Jerusalem to wait for the promise of the Father, he was telling them, you're not going to be able to fulfill the task of reaching the world unless you have the power of God's Spirit in your life. It's the only means whereby you're going to be able to do that. And so the book of Acts literally lays out the mission and the purpose of the church, the New Testament church of which you and I are a part of, it lays it out as very clearly uh, the objective was to get the gospel to as many people as possible. And that's what's happening when you read the book of Acts. Uh, the Spirit is poured out in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. And then in verse 41 it says, They that gladly received his word were baptized... And the same day, they were, they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So on the very first day of the church, the church's existence, when Peter preached that day, 3,000 souls came into the kingdom, were added to the body of Christ at that very first day. Uh, a, 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 a very important uh, uh, mission uh, being fulfilled on that first day, and then it continued and multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So many of the Jewish leaders, the Jewish priests, and great multitudes of people are being impacted by the message of the gospel. And there's quite a stirring that's going on in Jerusalem, and it's it's a great multitudes of people that are coming uh, to, to the Lord. Acts chapter 8 and verse 6. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Whenever Stephen was uh, uh, stoned to death, the Bible says that the Disciples were scattered as a result of that persecution and they went everywhere preaching the gospel. The stoning and the persecution didn't cause them to say, oh, we're going to have to be quiet. Oh, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to be less enthusiastic about this gospel message. And that's not what happened at all. There was never a consideration of stopping proclaiming the gospel even though they were under fire, under persecution. It says they scattered and everywhere they went, they went proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Philip in Acts chapter 8 goes to Samaria and in Samaria, this is 
a pretty amazing statement here. It says uh, that the people gave, uh, and the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spake. It's interesting that that word there, one accord, comes from a word that means unanimous. If that's exactly what happened, then all of Samaria, all of those that he preached to in, in that region of Samaria, unanimous, with one accord, they all believed. It was pretty miraculous the kind of impact that the gospel was having, even in spite of all of the opposition to the gospel. Lifeway Research uh, recently did uh, a, a, a study and determined that 57% of church members are either neutral or indifferent about sharing the gospel. Now, is that you? Is that me? Is that our church? Does that reflect who we are and what we believe? Are we neutral or even indifferent about proclaiming the message of the gospel? If we really believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, that's what Paul said. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He could have backed up. He could have hidden uh, under the fires of persecution. But instead, he said, I'm not ashamed of it. Uh, it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so he wasn't going to back up. He wasn't going to hide the message. He was going to proclaim the message. And today, as never before, I believe that the church needs to be declaring and proclaiming the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nobody is beyond the reach of the gospel. Amen. I mentioned the, what's happening in our culture today uh, to try to silence the gospel. I mean, in many, uh, in many situations in the public arena in our country right now, you can talk about Islam, you can talk about Buddhism, you can talk about uh, transgenderism, you can talk about all of these things that are going on in the culture today. But if you just try to talk about the Bible, and you try to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ, then that's offensive to a lot of people. I mean, they'll believe and hear anything. They'll receive anything, as far-fetched as it might be. But when you say that Jesus Christ is the way for men to be saved, that's offensive to our world right now. Do I think that it should silence us? Absolutely not. I believe that it should never silence uh, the church, no matter how heated and how difficult that it might be. We have a God-given responsibility. That's who we are. That's what the church is. You remove our evangelistic heart from the church, and we're dead. The church is dead. There's nothing left. If we remove our desire to proclaim the message of the gospel, that's what Pentecost was all about. That's what the outpouring of the Holy Ghost was all about, so that we would be, would, we would be empowered to do the work and to spread the gospel and to give hope. To the world that is in need. Amen. So don't allow the system, the world system, the culture of today to silence you from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and preach it. Go ahead and proclaim it. Because that's who we are. Amen. At the very heart 
of Christianity is evangelism. It is reaching out. It is the great commission. It was the last message, the last words of our Lord before he ascended into heaven, telling the disciples to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. That was the command to go. It wasn't a great suggestion. It was a great commission. It was God's plan. It was the will of God for the church. And nobody, nobody is beyond the reach of the gospel. Amen. And we need to believe that. Now, let's look at our text here uh, from Acts 25. And I'll just give you a little background on this. Because Paul is, being, is coming before uh, Agrippa and Felix. And he's being called to answer questions, called into a courtroom type setting uh, to answer questions concerning the things that he is preaching and that he believes. You, you kind of get the, uh, the picture here of the kind of people that they were. The, the first, uh, this Agrippa here is Agrippa number three. His grandfather was the Herod, uh, Herod Agrippa that killed all the babies at the time of the birth of Christ. Uh, that was his grandfather. And then his father was the Agrippa uh, that uh, killed the apostle James with a sword there in Acts chapter 12. And so you can see, this is, this is Agrippa III here. So you can see this is a family that uh, has been vile and wicked and ruthless, really, in their attitude toward Christians and toward the church. So now Paul is being uh, uh, brought before this court. Now let me remind you that Paul is a Roman citizen and he's made his appeal to the emperor. He's made his appeal to Augustus. And so he doesn't necessarily have to make this appearance here in Acts chapter 25 in this court before Agrippa and Felix and all of these. He doesn't have to. Uh, but he chooses to cooperate with what they are saying. He chooses to because I believe that he saw this as the opportunity uh, of a lifetime to share the gospel in that setting with them, to give the testimony to that group of people there uh, who were, uh, I mean, these were, these were people who at least thought they were really, really important. And you can kind of get the, the sense of it there in that verse, first verse that I read, verse 23. It says, On the morrow when Agrippa was come and Bernice with great pomp, now, Bernice was his sister that he, that had been, his sister had been married three times between the ages of 15 and 22, divorced three times, and now she is living with her brother Agrippa uh, in an incestuous type relationship. So you can see what kind of vile and wicked people that they are. Agrippa and Bernice, they come with great pomp. It's interesting, the word there is the Greek word fantasia, not the Disney fantasia, uh, but it's the Greek word fantasia, uh, which, uh, which means a big show of wealth, a big show of power. I mean, they were putting it on when they came into that courtroom. They were dressed to the nines. 
They had all of their jewelry and all of their beauty. And when they came into the courtroom, they came in to impress, dressed to impress. They came in with all of their pomp and all of their... Uh, uh, and, and then here's the guy that they're bringing before them. His name is Paul. History says that Paul was short of stature. Uh, he was balding. And he probably came into this situation uh, in common clothes, just very plain clothes. And here he goes in the middle of all these people who are dressed up. It's like a pauper going into some kind of a big Hollywood setting uh, that he's going into. And they're all dressed in their pomp. And there's this big display and all of the... uh, in the hearing, the chief captains and the principal men of the city at festivals command, uh, Festus's commandment. And they all come in and here's poor little Paul in the middle of them. But Paul doesn't feel intimidated by them at all. He is not intimidated by them at all. Instead, he, he believes that he's there with a divine calling and a divine purpose. To be there in that particular place, even though that they're trying to find something wrong with him. And that he's brought in there because all the Jews were saying, this man deserves to die. And, and they're, they're having a big debate in this court hearing is saying, we can't find anything wrong with this guy. We've searched. We can't find anything to accuse him. We can't ha- find anything to, to write out an accusation to send uh, to Augustus. We, d- we don't know what to do with this guy. So here you can imagine little Paul, humble little Paul in the midst of all of this grandeur and all this pomp and, and the word fantasia, all of this that's going on. I mean, it must have been quite a display in that courtroom that day when little humble Paul is brought into the midst of them. I don't know about you, but I kind of envision him as, you know, his head is not down. He is not ashamed. He is bold to speak in that kind of a situation. Now, here's, here's the thing that, about this text that really uh, got my attention is the fact that uh, these were people that were probably normally out of reach. You'd never be able to get to them. But Paul saw this as a divine appointment. God saw it as an opportunity, or Paul saw it as an opportunity to go into this family, Agrippa, Bernice, and Felix. Felix was a brother-in-law. They're all a big family of reprobates, evil, wicked people uh, that have this prestige and wealth and power. And Paul sees them as people deserving of the gospel. They deserve to hear it. You'd think, well, they, they don't deserve anything. These are, these are vile people, wicked people. But no, the Apostle Paul sees them as people who need to hear the gospel. And so in Acts chapter 6, he's given the opportunity. This was the opportunity that he longed for. It says here in uh, this text, it, 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 in verse 2, he said, I think myself happy, King Agrippa. Paul wasn't backward about this thing. This is what he believed was getting ready to happen. This was a divinely arranged opportunity. He's happy about it. He is happy to be 
in that place of scrutiny and judgment. He didn't care because it gave him an opportunity to to declare the message of the gospel to people that might not ever hear it from any other source. And he had this divine opportunity given to him. And so I really do believe that it's important for us to realize that God sets up divinely arranged appointments for us to talk to people about the Lord. He loves the lost. Jesus loves the lost so much that he will arrange a divine appointment for you to talk to them about Jesus. Amen. We mustn't fail. We mustn't fail in the opportunity. We must have the courage and the boldness to speak up and to declare the gospel. Even to those that you may think, oh, they're too too high and beyond me and they would have no interest in the gospel. I could never, ever have the courage to speak to them, but the Lord may give you a divinely arranged appointment so that you can speak to them. God so loves the lost that he'll he'll set it up. He'll arrange it so that you can speak to them and give to them the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul is happy about it. Amen. Amen. I don't know. I don't, he wasn't downcast. He, he wasn't intimidated by this big grandeur of all that was going on there. He was happy. I believe he had a smile on his face. He recognized it for what it was. God has set this up. God has provided a way for me to preach to these people. Now, he didn't know. Of course, Felix didn't know that Felix was going to die in about two years. He only had about two years left in his life. This was divinely arranged. You don't know when you're talking to people about the Lord how much time they have in this world. You don't know when that they might meet, meet Jesus, when they might face eternity. They, you never know when you're talking to people what um, how serious that, uh, uh, that the challenge is for you to proclaim the gospel uh, to them. You just don't know. You don't know. I'm reminded of many years ago, a brother out in uh, Oklahoma and I, he asked me to go with him on a visitation on a Saturday afternoon. And we went together and knocking on some doors and we were talking to a particular man. And uh, that man said, well... I would come to church, but I've got a new job, and I go to work tonight. That was Saturday evening. I go to work tonight, my first shift at this convenience store. I'm going to be working the midnight shift, and I'll get off in the morning, and I will, I'll be too tired to come to church. And so we talked to him and tried to encourage him in the things of the Lord and point him to Jesus. He was nice about it all. But he didn't, he didn't turn toward the Lord while we were there at all. That night he went to work at the convenience store that was just up the row, up the highway from the church where we pastored. And uh, he went to work. About 2 o'clock in the morning, a man came into his store to rob the store with a gun. He shot that young man and he died that night laying in the floor behind the counter of that convenience store. Three days later, we had his funeral in our church. Now that's, 
you just do not know when you're talking to somebody about the Lord when they're going to face eternity. You have no way of knowing. But if God has given you a divinely arranged appointment, then it's important for us to speak up, to clear the message, to give them the message of the gospel, to give them some hope. Let them know that they can be saved. Nobody is beyond the reach of the gospel, no matter who they are or how important they may feel like they are, they need to hear the gospel. Amen. Paul was happy to tell the story. A lot of times people wonder, well, I, I don't know what to, what to say to people. Tell them your story. That's what Paul did. He told them that day his story. He told about his meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus. He told about that encounter and about the call of God that had been put upon his life when the Lord spoke to him and said, Arise, stand on your feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in, that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. So Paul told him, I met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And I also heard the voice of God calling me, telling me that your life is going to change from this day forward. From now on, your calling is to preach the gospel, to share your testimony, to give the message of the gospel to everyone that you come in, in contact with. And that's what he did that day. And he said, Agrippa, I have not disobeyed this heavenly vision. What he's called me to do I have not disobeyed this heavenly vision. Now Agrippa, he didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to receive it. And uh, he, uh, uh, he was uh, rejecting it. He's, he even said to Paul, Paul, you're a madman. Uh, verse 24. As he thus spake for himself, Festus said unto, with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. Sometimes the gospel isn't received. Sometimes there are those that can't comprehend or understand the message of the gospel. But Paul said, I'm not a mad man, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. And he spoke to them that day in Agrippa. When he spoke to Agrippa, he said, verse 27, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Let me tell you, it was pretty persuasive in the midst and the setting that they were in with all the acclaim, with all the pomp, with all the beauty and, and all the, the, the splendor of that occasion that day for Paul to declare the gospel anointed of the Holy Ghost, was so powerful that he almost convinced Agrippa to be a Christian. 
He almost convinced him to be a Christian. It was a powerful day, but those people in that courtroom that day, Felix, Agrippa, Bernice, all the others that were in the courtroom that day that heard what what, uh, the apostle said, every one of them will stand before God and and give an account of that, that they heard the gospel and they rejected it. They heard it and they rejected it. But God has called us to go with a divine calling on a divine mission from Christ. An assignment that God has given to as the church to recognize that everywhere he go, we go throughout our daily contacts and experiences with people, no matter who that they might be, no, no one, nobody is outside the reach of the gospel. Amen. No one. Our responsibility is to persuade men concerning Jesus. Persuade them. To speak to them. To declare the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world. That's why the church exists. That's why we're here. That's the primary purpose and the thrust of the church is to declare the message of the gospel. You see it all through the book of Acts. You see it in the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul who gives us this, just one of many other examples of how he shares the testimony of his conversion in a place where a lot of people are not interested in it, but yet he does it anyway. He declares the message of the gospel. That is the call that God has given to each one of us. Amen. To tell people how we were saved, how the Lord has changed our lives, to declare this message to a world that doesn't seem like they're interested at all. But yet we have an opportunity and a divinely arranged assignment from God. Amen. To speak the the gospel to a lost world. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the call of God that rests upon each of us as believers today. Lord, our responsibility is to obey your voice. Just as Paul was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, Lord, help us to obey what you have called us to do. And Lord, help us to be the church, the New Testament church, the book of Acts church, that is spreading the gospel everywhere they go, telling people about Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together.